let's do this. All right, well, welcome to the Tinfoil Terrarium. Yeah, uh, uh, sorry for the (laughs) ridiculously long absence for all uh, 15 of our listeners, including us. Nobody, uh, nobody looks at the date. We'll just, we'll just pretend like it never happened. Yeah. Well, you know, happy day after May Day for the people who, uh, yeah, <laughs> are actually. Did you work? Assuming this gets uh, uh, posted the day after May Day. Um, speaking of which, have you ever had a May Day on May Day? I don't know, and honestly, I don't remember the topic coming up on May Day because I don't generally think about May Day as a thing to remember. <laughs> I just, I, yeah. it came up yesterday. I was like reading something. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's what May 1st is. I've had uh, the good fortune to not ever work on a May Day, except for, you know, uh, going into May Day rather than I, I don't just even, working on the whole day. I don't even think there's anything significant about it other than the name. I don't think it's ever, yeah, I don't think it's ever no, stood out. So, it's like a day where you get a bunch of cases. <laughs> So it is some kind of like, uh, it's like a workers' rights holiday. Um, ah. but, uh, oh, so it could could be mean more people in the water, huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, in classic union fashion, more people in the water. But, uh, right. I'm union right, well, guys. To uh, sort of make up for our uh, absence here, uh, you know, we um, we picked up we picked a topic that uh, was maybe a little bit more than we could probably uh, chew on. Yep. Uh, and then still forthcoming think, though. Right. It is, it is coming, uh, but, uh, just didn't work out for this particular episode. Um, and then we both got sick and then we both got super busy and then I got sick again. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So for this installment, we're just gonna talk a bit about ourselves, introduce ourselves. Cause I know we've been super vague about, uh, who we are what's in the and, box uh, <laughs> and talk about some of our own personal experiences and how we kind of got uh, interested in the paranormal overall. So, uh, did you want to start with that? Uh, let's say, uh, who you are and yeah. why anyone should care. <laughs> My name is Ian and you shouldn't, frankly. Right. <laughs> Same. That being said, um, yeah. So, I tried, I tried to set up like a little, little bit of a time on here, just going back as far as I could, I could think, but it's not a, it's not a crazy grand story and I'm sure I'm connecting more threads than actually existed at the time, but that's, you know, that's what we're here for. <laughs> we're connecting threads. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, I would say probably the first thing that, uh, it, this, this wasn't like directly related to the paranormal, but it it's the sort of thing that gets you thinking about stuff outside of your daily experience in reality. Um, and for me, that was just night terrors. Um, it's something I've consistently um, experienced and it's, and it's usually kind of things kind of manifest in the same way. So for me, this that's psychologically based. It, there's probably some reason why I, why I have similar night terrors and, and have for as long as I can remember. But, uh, Distinctly, it was at a time period where there were kind of some other weird things going on um, around our family. Um, a lot of change was happening. There was a lot of, um, 
you know, my parents were, were getting divorced and my brother was having, um, yeah, they had an experience that I'm going to talk about here in a, in a little bit, but, uh, um, a little bit of foresight type situations that were very uncanny. Um, and, uh, so I, so the earliest thing I remember was the just like primal image of, of spiders when I sleep and like, like right next to me and they're just like, I'm not afraid of spiders in general. Um, yeah, spiders are pretty cool. <laughs> they are cool. Um, I don't like, I, I'm not the guy that's going to go pick them up, but like, I'm not like afraid of them. I will, I will go up. I will look at them. I, I am more fascinated and curious than I am afraid. Snakes. Fuck those guys. I don't know why I don't dream about those, but those guys are terrifying. <laughs> spiders. I'm cool with, but for some reason I, I'm trying to put, pre- trying to put an age to it. Probably early high school, late middle school. I, we were sleeping in a bunk bed. That's how young I was. And, um, and, uh, and I just remember waking up one time. It was one specific time. And I don't remember this before that at all, only after. And I had a headboard on my bunk bed and I woke up in the middle of the night and there was like a massive, like it looked sentient. It was like a massive, uh, like tarantula looking thing, just staring at me just inside of my headboard. And I wasn't like, it didn't cause me to like get up and freak out. I was just looking at it and, and it felt like a memory. It didn't feel like a dream. And then, um, and then I just, I, I've always seen spiders ever since, and I don't know why. <laughs> so, uh, even as an adult, uh, I will have, I will have night terrors. Well, I, I call them night terrors. Sometimes, sometimes they freak me out. Sometimes they don't, but it's like, I'll see something in, in between that waking and asleep period, you know, where I've, I, I'm up, my body's up, I'm doing things. I remember what's happening, but I'm still like half asleep and, and it's always spiders. I don't know why. Um, very, very rarely it's other stuff, but mostly spiders. So, um, that kind of just, that kind of just keeps me connected to kind of like dream stuff in general, which is another aspect of, of things that have, that I've experienced that are, it just kind of keeps my, keeps one foot in that, in that world. You know what I mean? Where you're not like, right. Uh, um, well, have you ever kept a dream journal? I've, I've tried to, I'm not, I'm not good at being consistent with those sort of things. Um, but I have, I have like, if something was super felt significant or was like a really strong, like visceral, vivid dream or experience, um, I, I will, uh, if it's some, if it's something that I'm, I'm, um, experiencing right before waking up when I normally would, I will often get out my phone and, and like write something down. And by often, I mean often when that happens, it doesn't happen often. So, um, usually when it happens, it's in the middle of the night, I'll, I'll, I won't wake up fully from it and I'll go back to sleep. Um, but I'll have those visceral experiences still. I have like very vivid, like flying dreams and stuff like that, or dreams where I'm, I wouldn't say lucid, but they're, but like me inside of the dream feels like I have control, even though I'm not aware that it's a dream always. Um, but I've had, I've had some lucid ones too, but just those types of experiences where it's like, like, I just, I feel like it's, it's more than just my brain just trying to make sense of what happened to me during the day. Like to me, that's always felt like a stupid 
answer to that. <laughs> I, I feel like there's more to what's going on in dreams. Um, but yeah, that's, so that's like the, the earliest kind of experiences of not waking reality that makes me think of reality in different terms, I guess. And there's more to that, but I don't, I don't want to go on for 20 minutes straight. So if, there, if you guys got <laughs> something to say on the topic, that's, we can do that. Well, so I don't typically, I say I don't have dreams. I think uh, the general consensus is that you do have dreams. You just don't remember them. Yeah. Um, but uh, just about any time I have a dream that I remember when I'm, when I wake up, it's, uh, it's usually some sort of nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, I have generally recurring dreams, uh, recurring nightmares of uh, essentially dangerous situations that I'm unable to control. Mm-hmm. Um, usually has something to do with some kind of violence against uh, myself or my family. Yeah. And uh, I can't control it. And, but uh, I'm sure there's a whole uh, a psychoanalytical reason for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. sure that one's pretty cut and dry, you know, a, a primal fear of not being able to defend your, your family. But um, yeah, uh, actually I had one of those the other night and it involved UFOs. So go figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, minor minor more terrestrial for the most part. Uh it's it's more of a uh an actual, you know, I say actual. It's more of a uh your run of the mill baddie, but yeah. sometimes it'll be your uh uh some like dark figure or something that you just can't so, some sometimes it will be some sort of supernatural, you know, dark figure. I remember mm-hmm. one in particular I had where I was uh I was at home, it was before I even met my wife, uh in my condo in Juneau. And uh, I think a few days prior, I'd had an issue with, uh, well, this particular condo that I had was uh, just outside of the security barrier. It was the only, the only one outside of the security barrier in the entire complex. So I would have, in the middle of the night, people knocking on my door thinking I was like the building manager or whatever, or someone who could let them into the, into the complex. Mm-hmm. Um but I had one particular incident where someone was uh, 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 literally smoking crack on my front porch. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, this is not a dream, by the way, this actually happened. Ah. Um, and, uh, and I remember they were like uh, wailing and making all this noise. And for, and, and for probably an hour, I didn't even register that it was, a person out there. I thought, I thought what I was hearing was like a dog barking at a, at a bear or something right. um, uh, in the distance. And then I kind of walked into my living room and I realized, wait a minute, that sounds right on the other side of front door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was definitely an experience. And I think that very night I had a, uh, a dream of a, uh, an unnaturally tall, almost like a, like a J horror type character, ah, you know, unnaturally tall, enormous head, like bending over to even get to look into my window. Like Slenderman, looking type, at my type thing going, looking, on. looking down at my uh, through my shutters on my window, and uh, Ooh, yeah, and uh, making the same noise that that guy was making on my front porch, and uh, that is very interesting. And in my dream, which is funny because I wouldn't do this in real life, where someone just outside the window especially where this was mm-hmm. um in my dream i uh, my first instinct was to uh 
pull out a gun. <laughs> right. And uh and when I did that he tried to started trying to get into the house. But I think uh have you ever punched someone in your dream and it's just like your hand is a sponge? Yes. Oh yeah. A yeah. lot. So I feel same, very very ineffective when I punch or when I run. <laughs> same experience, but trying to pull the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> was just like my hand my finger is giving way, the trigger is not. <laughs> yeah. So and usually they end right there. They end because mm-hmm. I, I guess there's some sort of mental connect of like, um, yeah, yeah. This feeling of yeah, this, your this, finger giving way is it's all it's almost like reality. Yeah, it's like realizing <laughs> it's a dream, and then yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like the the spinning top from yep. uh, from Inception, but you know, <laughs> I, I find my experiences like that tend to not always wake me up, and it's and 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 I have those same ones where it's like where I'm ineffective in some way not always fighting mm-hmm. for me. It's more often when I'm running um, and usually running towards something, not always away. It feels like I'm underwater, but I'm like on the surface of a, yes. the ground and it's, but it's like that sort of like just wasting energy and not getting anywhere. Um, and yeah, that's, that's weird that that's a common thing. I'm, I'm very curious about why that, that type of experience is common across people, even when the circumstances are like just wildly different. Well, so it's funny to uh, digress just a little bit yeah, before okay. I get on to my topics. Um, uh, have you ever seen the original Nightmare on, Am- on Elm Street? Actually, no. Not in its so entirety. I've seen, like, clips, but... They... I mean, you understand the premise, right? You know, it's uh, killer. Yeah, that's Freddy Krueger, right? Where he... Yeah, he kills right. people in their dreams. Yeah. So it actually captures that dream logic really well yeah. in a pretty subtle way that you would, wouldn't even notice unless you were looking out for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the main character is like full out sprinting, right? You can see that they're making virtually no headway at all in the background, and, and he's just like walking towards them and making progress. Or something. Yep. Yeah, yep, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's subtle, but that's 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 a good indicator. I mean, so it's it's interesting to me because dreams, like other than just specific dreams, like our brain, it already has the capacity to like block things out like memories and experiences and things like that. So I, I've always been curious and this is kind of where it gets into the realm of paranormal, I, I suppose, or, or yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I've always wondered like, you know, whether, whether that dream state is another reality that we're just kind of putting that our, our brain just functions that way where it puts that mental block up where we don't, we don't think of it as a memory or an experience that we had. We think of it as, Oh, it's that other, you know, I'm just having a dream. But the fact that our brain is capable of, of blocking things out or warping things or changing them easily so that it doesn't affect us in our waking present. Um, I've, I've always wondered whether that wall was literally just a wall and we're existing in some other reality when we sleep. And I, and that's not a new well, idea at all for sure, but that's, no. it's, it's something that I think a lot of people having not been exposed to that idea, have that kind of thought at some point where it's like, well, I want why, why, why doesn't, why can't that be real? Why can't that be some real place that exists? And, and I'm just, you know, there's just a veil there, you know? Well, have you ever had a, uh, what I call a, uh, preemptive dream where preemptive you have a dream of relatively mundane events Mm -hmm. 
just and then like two months later in in your waking life you realize that those exact events are playing out in the same way um not when i'm asleep i don't have dreams about that i have had i have had a lot of premonitions awaking premonitions um my little brother however has had those and that's something i was alluding to before um around that same time where i was having those night terror or at least the same period of my life. I don't know if it was in that exact same time period. Um, we were, we were, we were living in the same room. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how I categorize it. Um, well, he, well, I have those pretty often. Oh, really? <laughs> oh yeah. So I'd say the, the ones that I remember are either nightmares, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. or, uh, dreams of events that eventually come to fruition and almost in the exact way that they happened in the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so my, my little brother had one, um, pretty significant, kind of everybody's aware of it. Uh, he had a dream about nine 11 before it happened, um, where he was, he was on one of the planes, uh, (laughs) flying towards an urban area. Um, and it wasn't the Pentagon, but it was like, it was like a, it was a big city like New York and it was a tall building and everyone was terrified and they ran into the building. He was like eight years old, maybe when he had this dream, freaked him the fuck out. He immediately got my dad as, and told him about the would. dream. And then like a week later, nine 11 happened. So, wow. Yeah. So, so that like that one always sticks out to me as, um, as okay. Dream, dreams are more than we think they are. They just are. I mean, they right. either, they always are or they, or they sometimes are, but either way, um, there's, there's more to it that is connected to what's happening now in, in, re- in what we call reality, you know, and it, to, to me trying to say that things are a certain way in terms of psychology or, or relegating things to, oh, it's just this because our brain works this way. It's like, it's like trying to draw something on a pencil with that same pencil. You know what I mean? It's like, like. <laughs> Like, how do you, how do you describe the objectively something that you are subjectively a part of? <laughs> like, Well, I've, I've always been skeptical of this one size fits all answer when it comes to psychology, mm-hmm. even medical science in a lot of ways of like, oh, yep, that's how it works. Like, well, um, I think you're boiling it down <laughs> a little bit too much. <laughs> Maybe. Well, and, and, and to give credit, you know, there's, I'm not aware of all of the science all the time or, or how they reach those conclusions right. or the types of, you know, experiments they run to, to get that bias out of the equation. Um, you know, and I'm sure it's possible in a, in a lot of circumstances. I mean, obviously it's possible in the physical world with a lot of, with pretty much everything, but, but when it comes to consciousness and reality and dreams and stuff like that, we're working on our best guesses. Um, you know, right. we can understand the science that yes, there's electricity happening in there, but that's, I mean, that's like saying you can see a car going to a specific location. You have no clue what that person's intent is, but yes, you can see that there's a car going there. You know, there's no, there's no understanding the inherentness of it without, without knowing more of what's inside of that, that, you know, vehicle, so to speak. So that, that's how I feel about it at least. Um, but just having experienced or not experienced, but like having seen those experiences take place for other people and especially that always sticks out for me cause he wasn't, 
he wasn't grown up. He didn't know everything about everything. And, and it was just this absolutely inexplicable thing that happened and then took place in real life, uh, in a way that affected everybody. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, so, uh, I'm Jordan <laughs> for anyone that wants to know. Um, and, uh, I would say, uh, what, what sort of got me into the paranormal, uh, rather than, uh, leading with my personal experience was, uh, well, when I was very young, <laughs> I was allowed to, uh, watch William Friedkin's original, uh, The Exorcist, mm. um, by some, uh, babysitters who probably, uh, probably were working on their own experiences that I wouldn't be uh, super scared by it, mm-hmm. but I was, <laughs> uh, that was really say. my first, uh, <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I think, like I said, I think I was four, four or five at the time. And my concept of horror came from Scooby-Doo and, uh, right. you know, Halloween episodes of my favorite shows. Not, uh, not, and here I was, uh, now suddenly a very aware of, uh, hell and demons and (laughs) and evil and and uh possession and things like that Mm -hmm. um and it it scared the scared the shit out of me yeah (laughs) yeah as it should uh i I spent i probably the next eight years or so just terrified of every sound but um oh that's a uh, that's a big chunk (laughs) yeah yeah and uh but it's funny now because i i now uh I can sit there and watch The Exorcist and appreciate it as the amazing movie that it is. Right. Um, still get pretty creeped out by the uh, practical effects, like the uh, uh, the dummy that it, the obvious dummy of Demon Reagan that turns her head almost completely around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially just the way that it's framed and all that. But um, uh, and as far as that goes that that sort of led to uh, a sort of paranoia in a way of uh, thinking that every every movement in the night every sound that i heard was you know something bad yeah. coming to get me but um so that's really why i probably wouldn't attribute most of my childhood experiences to anything real mm-hmm. uh for the simple fact that I was just such in such a heightened state right. at the time that I, you know, now looking back, I could attribute any of those things to, uh, you know, just natural phenomena that's that you just reinterpreted you know, that I just misinterpreted. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like I, I would say one, uh, recurring experience was in my, uh, home at the time that my home for, uh, at the time that I watched that movie and a few years after, um, I would every single night hear the sounds of, uh, voices seemingly coming from nowhere. Yeah. But, uh, at the same time, I remember them being similar in pitch and tone to my parents' voices. Yeah. So it, and, and their room was directly adjacent to mine. So it very much could have been, you know, just their voices coming through the HVAC, uh, system right you know. um could have been could have been. it could have been paranormal <laughs> uh, but uh my mom actually but, i asked her if uh if anything in particular had happened uh to me that 
I might not remember. And, and she, uh, she, she relates a story of, uh, hearing me talking in the middle of the night, oh. um, coming inside my bedroom to, uh, see me standing inches from the wall, pointing at it. Yeah. And, uh, she says that she swears I was having a conversation with a woman right before she came. in. Like, so, like she heard the woman. Um, yes. Yeah. She says she thought she heard a woman talking in my room at the time. Um, so that's terrifying. That is terrifying. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Um, so that's, uh, interesting to think of, but, uh, I would say my first, my first personal experience though, that I can ascribe to something not normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paranormal, one might even say, Um, uh, where I uh, shortly after moving to what I refer to now as my hometown, uh, Clifton, Texas, Mm -hmm. uh, there is a community theater that's run out of an old university building. Um, I'm already horrified. This tiny, this tiny little town of 3,600 people used to have its own college. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it... um, has this addition to it called the Tin Building Theater. Mm-hmm. And as the name suggests, it's a large corrugated steel building attached to the original college building. Gotcha. Um, and that building has a long history of uh, paranormal events taking place. Ooh, uh, really? Uh, two of the dean's children at one point were... Two of the dean's children in separate incidences were killed by lightning strikes on the ground. Um there wouldn't have anything a, to do a with a that... giant metal building. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. The metal building was not there at the time. Ah, oh. It was, it was a, it was a brick building at the time. Uh, Got it. But, uh, so the, um, and, uh, I think another one of the Dean's children fell out of a third story window and died, um, on the grounds as well. But, uh, so this, I I joke is probably one of the most updated buildings in town. Oh, okay. Uh, which makes the whole haunted uh, uh, thing a little bit of a odd just juxtaposition. Yeah. But, um, you know, well, the parking lot. If you consider grounds paved. and not just buildings, then yeah, that right, absolutely. exactly. Um, you know, it, it's it's right in the middle of a bunch of uh, nursing homes that were clearly built in the eighties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, the hospitals. Uh, just off the street from it um it's it's probably like i said probably one of the newer parts of town uh, barring the actual university building right um but uh so the it was a community theater and my mom and i were super involved in it at the time uh, my mom still is. i was gonna say uh, is it the same one yeah uh and um so we I would accompany her to play practice a lot. Uh, at this point, I was just a stagehand. I think I was 13 or 14. And uh, even then, I really wasn't doing much until the actual night of the of the play. So they have an area, what's called the green room, in classic Johnny Carson style. Um, mm. It's a, a room off the main part of the backstage area. Right. That is green. Oh, nice. <laughs> and took a, uh, took it it's, too far. Uh, it's a place where, you know, you, it's kind of like a lounge in a way. Yeah. Um, 
you sit back there, there's couches, coffee tables, there's just a big table in the center. It's where you do all your line readings before you actually start doing the on-stage blocking and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting back there, I don't know, reading, doing some homework, probably not doing homework. I was terrible at actually doing my homework. Um, but I was sitting back there for some reason doing something. And I kept hearing uh, like a young girl's laughter. And for forever, I kept just chalking it up to, oh, well, there's kids running around in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Like that happened all the time. The parking lot was directly on the other side of the, the wall that I was sitting against. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's just kids running through the parking lot. No big deal. But I just kept hearing it and kept hearing it. And it kept getting. Uh, louder and more recognizable in a way um Ooh. and and so i poked my head out of the door to see you know these kids must be like right up against the building <laughs> uh and poked my head out the door to find that there was nobody there right and i thought well that's odd you know maybe i just missed them maybe they ran off or something um but i Went to shut the door again, and as I was turning around, there's, it's right off the green room, there's a bathroom area, like the, sort of like a, like a lobby in a way for a, for a bathroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what connects the green room to the main backstage area. And usually the lights were off back there because, you know, it it connects directly to backstage and you keep the lights off most of the time. And, uh. I turned and I saw just sort of a flash of a child walking from that doorway towards backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the only uh, quote unquote child on set that that particular day. None of the other actors had brought their kids or anything, and and I was you know I was fourteen. I wasn't exactly you know the size of a seven year old. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, you know, I thought, I, th- I think it took me a second to register uh, what I had just seen, because I think I, I sat back down, and and then it just struck me all at once that there are no children on this set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I started hearing the laughter again. So I... Uh, Investigated? Got up and... <laughs> so I wish I could say I was that brave. Um <laughs> But uh, no, no, I did not. In fact, I, I ran through the same area that the uh, quote-unquote child had gone through because, well, that was how I would get backstage to where other people were. Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, well, I guess I'm just going to have to brave running past this possible ghost <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, I kind of kept it under my hat for a few days, and then there was a or a few months more like, mm-hmm. and then the, the play ended. Uh, we were having a party after the last, uh, performance. And, uh, I actually, I don't know what coaxed it out of me, probably some sort of conversation about ghosts or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually brought it up to my mom and a couple of the other people who were there and they all said, oh, yeah, that's the dean's daughter. No. 
they had all claimed to have seen her or heard her at some point. And they mentioned that she uh, was pretty well known for pranks. So her <sighs> laughter could very well have been uh, her way of uh, si- signaling that she was playing a joke on me. Um, the Dean's honor, I'm got- assuming, being a dead person. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. This place is no. This place is no longer a college. Right. <laughs> um, it has not been a college since I think the probably early seventies. Oh damn. Um, and uh, and I am not a person who was fourteen in the early seventies. So <laughs> that we know of. Um, I don't know. You got kind of an old soul. So yeah. Well, you know, I've got the <laughs> Benjamin Button syndrome going. There you on. go. But uh, so. Evidently, I had gotten off pretty light just having some sort of ventriloquism act played on me. Right. Um, But uh, other people had mentioned that they had uh, seen her just before all of the lights went off Mm -hmm. while they were on top of ladders working on sets by themselves. (laughs) Or like standing at the top of the ladder or something. You're just like, that's that's, that's how you die. (laughs) Standing at the top of the ladder, hammering, hammering nails, and then the lights go off. And the only light switch they could access was probably a good fifty feet away at that point. Yeah. Um. And uh, other people had mentioned seeing her in the you know in the the sort of light lighting uh, catwalks, mm-hmm. which are very. I don't think I've ever seen any person actually up there. They're not. They're not, this isn't a big theater, you know, it's the catwalks, they're, they're very much a, you get up there because you need to work on stuff sort of deal. Not, not you go up there to direct a spotlight, any kind <laughs> um, but, uh, so right. other people had experienced similar things, and, uh, at that point I was never truly comfortable in that building again, um. Uh, it it also doesn't help that it's, you know, it's a community theater, so it's full of mannequins and dress forms and, <laughs> right. and, and, uh, makeup test, uh, dummy, like the heads. Dummies. Yeah. Yeah. Like the heads, but, but have you ever have you seen those, uh, well, have you seen those like sixties style? I'm sure. Like, I'm sure wig, I have a camera mounts, it, though. The ones with the horrifically uncanny valley faces yeah well there was a couple of those in the makeup room that (laughs) yeah let's just say as a as a child i was never truly comfortable back there again by myself um so i was (laughs) after that i pretty much forced a a friend of mine to stay with me (laughs) that whole time but those uh, are the sort of things where if i if i had that experience as a child I'm, i'm like i'm almost upset that i don't have those types of experiences as an adult. Cause I feel like I would be more curious knowing, right. knowing what I know now and, or knowing what I think I know now and, and, you know, just having a different view on what, like maybe what ghosts could even be. Um, I feel like I would investigate it or at least like try to interact in some way, uh, instead of, you know, having these like horrifically traumatic experiences as a child that like keep me away from it. Well, and so that's, it's funny that you say that, um, I am definitely, I definitely do not have the, uh, 
brass hangers uh, big enough to uh, <laughs> to interact intentionally right. with uh, what I perceive to be a ghost. Yeah. I'm very much the kind of person who's like, yeah, you don't, you don't, don't uh, fuck with that. Open that <laughs> you don't open that gateway. <laughs> uh, well, because because I'm I'm also of of sort of the theory that uh, I. Part of me doesn't really believe that ghosts are dead people. <laughs> well, there's that maybe true, true. You can never know exactly, you know, but malevolent forces disguising themselves. Well, given so. given some of the uh, um, theories on even nowadays, there you know, there's always some new thing about like scientists are discovering that time isn't what we think it is and stuff like that. Um, and that I'm, I'm ripping that as an example from like two days ago that I saw. <laughs> um, but to me, I I'm in some circumstances, I'm a proponent of the theory that like sometimes these, these interactions where, um, especially, especially where, uh, the behavior of whatever entity is reflective of the person's, that person's, um, actions in life. Uh, in some way, I feel like there's that, that kind of echo idea where it's almost like, like a residual, like a resid exactly sort of. like a resid, almost not just energy, but just like, it's almost as if like, you're kind of seeing a quick window through time, or maybe it's not a ghost, but you are, you're kind of experiencing now what they are experiencing now, 40 years ago or something where you're just kind of seeing through a veil or maybe it's not a dead person. Like now they're dead, but you know, maybe what you're seeing is them experiencing it at the moment, what they were doing at the time, um, where you're kind of, you, you see that, that foggy window back through time or something. And I think, you know, that could also be, um, that could help explain some sort of things where people have like immediate premonitions of like doppelgangers before somebody like walks in the room or something, you know, where that there's that, you know, time isn't running the way we think it is sort of thing rather than, um, you know, just thinking of now is the only real thing that's happening. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Uh, as if, you know, you're, you're peering into something that did happen. Right. Uh, but it, uh, whether it's an echo or whether you're, yeah, person. like, like for them it's happening now and for you it's happening now, but 40 years maybe, apart, you know, where it maybe kind in of their reality, you're a ghost. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, uh, like the others. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when there's, um, you know, where you have locations that have been there for a long, long time and people who have been in them for many years um, and had, you know, especially people who had routines and things like that. And, you know, like a child going to a theater and always playing pranks or always running around doing the same things. Uh, you'd have a better chance of seeing something like that happen if that was the case. Um, you know, cause I like to think of time almost as like linear, but like a coil. So like a, like, like a line that's, that's overlaying on top of itself so that in the same space on that line, there might be other events going straight down into the past where you could, you know, you're overlaid on top of each other rather than linear in one direction for eternity, you know? And, and that's not a new idea. I think, uh, I feel like I didn't come up with that. <laughs> um, but you know, in terms of that, that, that's like a way to, to represent it, you know, physically, but if, if whether that's the case or not, who knows, but, um, 
Well, then I certainly don't envy the person who uh, sees my residual right. uh, energy cr- uh, playing with a, a crutch in that same theater, acting like I'm some kind of a decrepit zombie. They might. They, <laughs> they fucking around. might. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, who knows if the things that we're doing right now in the spaces that we inhabit aren't going to be perceived at some point because we don't know exactly how time works or what it even is. It's, you know, some people say it's just, Oh, we just, we came up with a way to measure things, but obviously it's not consistent in all of time and space. It doesn't work the exact same way. I mean, it has inherent rules obviously, but, but it's not the exact same everywhere you go. Um, And so how little we know about it leads me to that as a, as a potential option especially when you're seeing not entities that are not representative of a person but like you know actual ghosts of people you know people seeing like the the white lady or whatever you know in in a place where a woman lived 300 years ago that's documented you know and she's walking the halls or something and that that could literally be you seeing her walking the halls in her own time (laughs) so that's that's how i see it which is why it takes it makes me more curious than afraid because if you think of it in that term, it might not even be what we think it is. Well, you can be curious all you want. Oh, sure. I, see yeah. some shit like that, <laughs> I feel like if I was at the moment, I probably would, but I probably would run. <laughs> Cause it's so uncanny. It's so un. it's, I, I love using this example, uh, but it, it just captures that idea so perfectly of, you know, a cat and a cucumber. It's, it just, it, it, it's <laughs> so, uh, it is it is so different from what you expect to be occurring in that moment that it just you just leap out of your skin, whether it's something to be afraid of or not. <laughs> it's it's your expectation versus reality, you know, and that's that. Uh, I think that's what that scares people the most. Um, it kind of is adjacent to another thing that that got me thinking in in paranormal terms, and I feel like everybody has this thought at some point. Um, which is weird because I think a lot of people have had this thought before it was solidified as an idea uh, um, scientifically, but, um, or psychologically is the solipsism is uh, you know, if you think about reality and your place in it and you have those kind of like deep internal self reflections, I think everybody at some point feels that sense of, of, of solipsism. Um, if you're familiar, I'm assuming, or you're going to have to explain to me what that is. So solipsism is the idea that you can, it's that feeling that, well, you can never truly know what's in another person's mind except your own. Like, so, so, so there's no way to prove whether everything that you're seeing is happening in your mind or not, because your mind could just be making it up. And that's it. That that, like, like, there's nothing you can, you can be sure to exist outside of yourself. In, in rational well, terms. It's it's funny. I I would say the most mundane everyday example I can think of of that is uh you've probably had it. You and I know we're not colorblind because well we got accepted into the Coast Guard. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh but when you are describing something to your wife mm-hmm. and you go, Oh yeah, no, that was purple and she goes, No, 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 no. That was red. Right. <laughs> like you know it's it's really if you think about it it's based down to yeah. 
your own perception of what things yeah, are. Yeah, and... And how you could have completely different perceptions of the exact same exactly. thing. Exactly. And, and that could be, you know, and that's if you think of it in terms of people are, are separate, independent beings. Absolutely. We can all have different, um, you know, what I see as the color green could be what I see as the color blue, but for you. You know what I mean? Um, and there's just, there's, there's, I don't think there's a way to know exactly what the scope of that difference is, but I think, I think science is getting to the point where they're starting to pick out like types of ways that that could make sense. But, but it, I mean, rationally it just makes sense as an option. Um, and especially when you're dealing with something like, like the UAPs and like how, how it seems to be kind of based around your consciousness and the types of things that you perceive while completely inexplicable are kind of unique to you. Um, even though there are commonalities. And so pairing that with like all these different types of experiences that people can have and report, like you can never truly know exactly uh, anything outside of your own experience. Um, any, anything that's outside of your own experience could be an invention of your own mind. And so that, that's pretty much the point of, of what solipsism is. It's kind of that VR theory. Like, is this all a simulation and it's just me, you know? And then people who deal with like, you know, extreme synchronicities and premonitions and things like that. They, they, they get to the point where they're like, I, I could literally, my brain could just be making this all up and for me and making it all line up because it's, because there is nothing else. It's just me. <laughs> and it's kind of a, it's kind of a depressing thing where people who get it, it can turn into a disorder basically. Um, yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't expect to have an existential crisis on this uh, episode. Yeah. Well, Hey, that's, <laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to explain why, why the, the kind of thinking that got me thinking into the paranormal. And this was, that was one of the things that, you know, I considered a long time ago when I was, a kid and a little bit older, my daughter had this thought when she was six and, and you, you heard how articulate she is when I was playing that recording for you, which I right. forgot to talk about. Um, uh, well, you know, we have time. <laughs> she was, she literally like caused an existential crisis in me because it reminded me of all these things that I had already like gone through and resolved within myself. <laughs> and she literally was like six years old said, how do, how do I know that any of this is real? Like, like if I'm in a dream, Ooh, she's like, if I'm in a dream, <laughs> I don't know I'm dreaming. So what if right now I'm dreaming and I just don't know it? And I'm like, fucking get out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> Go away. Yeah, and, go eat your Teddy Grahams, yeah, no, little girl. That's literally, it was like in the morning before school. And she was just like, and she explained it so well. And her logic was like, my logic as an adult, like, like I still don't know. And there you go. <laughs> so it's not unique, uh, to me, uh, you know, assuming that I'm not the only person that exists in reality. Um, it's, it's those sort of common experiences that people have, like that, that's the weirdest thing to me is like, people can say, Oh, that's just, you know, you're having that thought because other people have, communicated that and you know it's you probably right. just heard that somewhere and and your brain latched it's, onto it's it somewhere how do you explain like, a freaking six-year-old who watches little einsteins and that's it like coming up with right. that thought and having that as like she was concerned about it 
she was actually like, I don't, I really don't know. Like, how do I know if I'm dreaming right now? I just wouldn't. And I was like, I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm like, I, I was literally yeah, like, yeah, um, you might be right. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, that, that, that's the yeah. sort of thing that tells me that there might be more to what's going on. And that's, those are just, to me, those are just affirmations that, that we don't have all the answers and there, and, and we all live in the matrix. And what we think is the answer might be just some representation of the answer. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, I, I wrote down some other notes here, um, with, uh, I, I would just call these things that reinforced my interest once I once I'd had kind of these personal reflective experiences and thoughts and and uh, with all the stuff the dreams you know all the things with growing up in church and and you know obviously all the types of end time and demonic stuff and watching movies about all that that all that certainly informs like the entertainment aspect to me of of these topics where. Uh, you know, watching something like the exorcist or, or the, uh, um, like the conjuring series, all the, all this media that, that feeds that sort of almost like, a, a Catholic spirituality or like, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the sort of things where, where, you know, you got that good and evil thing and it spiritual realm exists and this is what's happening in it. All that sort of stuff kind of like keeps me entertained with that. And, and makes me think, oh yeah, okay, that's, that could be what's going on. And so I, I keep that thread open for, for stuff like that. But for me, it goes beyond that. It, 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 um, especially with regards to like UAPs and Skinwalker, I would call those probably the bit, the bigger catalysts of me thinking of this in more objective terms. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. Skinwalkers are definitely like, I go, oh, oh geez. <laughs> I Is there said one that behind you outside. now? There's this. Please don't even say that. I said that, and uh, there's like, as soon as I said it, there's this like low drone outside my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, um, no, that's definitely been a huge uh, interest of mine. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, <laughs> I used to be a park ranger, and that uh, I don't think that. Uh, that thought wouldn't enter my mind every now and mm-hmm. again. And I'd find myself suddenly turning around on the trail, mm-hmm. <laughs> going back the way I came or, or pushing through a little bit harder if I was closer to the other end. Right. But, um, uh, and especially when I worked in Huntsville where the, uh, you're surrounded by monstrosities of, of, uh, almost prehistoric examples of, of vegetation. Yeah. Uh, these big palm fronds seeming to just stick out of the ground and, and 90 foot tall pine trees that are like, <laughs> like some kind of forest guardian looming over mm-hmm. you. But, uh, and, uh, and just the things that happen in the woods. Uh, it's, uh, it's a place where people go to recreate, but it's also a place where people go to hide their bodies, bad deeds. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Although it's, it's, that's a little bit off topic. No, for, no, it's, 
my, uh, I guess my next point here, um, and I, I, w- I would say as far as paranormal experiences go personally with me, you know, uh, there's the theater, mm-hmm. um, it really stands out to me, but I would say what really stands out, um, in my mind is, uh, experiences I had on the cutter, uh, right. when I, uh, first got into the Coast Guard, which, uh, for those not in the know, a cutter is just the term that the U.S. Coast Guard gives to their ships. Um, big old boat. Yep, big old boat. Anything 65 feet or over is considered a cutter. Um, you know, I mentioned cutter. the Shadow I hardly know her. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mentioned the Shadow People experiences that I yes, had. Yes, in the uh, engine room. In the uh, JP5 JP- pump oh, okay. room, actually. Uh, no, I did have them in the engine room as well, but the engine room is just this big obvious. You're talking about when, when the head was popping out, space. you kind of thought you saw someone peeking their head around the yes. corner? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Although I have a uh, kind of a funny story about the engine room uh, when I was a break-in, and thank God I experienced this when I was a break-in because I'd be terrified. Uh, when you're breaking in, you are... Learning the ropes mm-hmm. uh, before you actually go and fly solo in that particular job. So I was doing import security, which I think I mentioned sounds super cool, but it's really just walking around reading gauges yeah. um, and writing it down for four hours. Uh, but I was, we were in uh, in Florida at a certain naval station, um, docked up there, and. Uh, yeah, I was a break-in doing my rounds with, with one of the new, or with one of the uh, senior guys. And uh, I just heard this sound that I, if I heard that sound in the woods, I would be running. <laughs> oh, man. It was this very uh, ominous, like, screeching noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed to... Not mechanical sounding? Echo off of every surface in 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 the the engine room and uh for the anyone in the know you probably know where i'm getting at i'm at a military installation and i hear an ominous screeching sound that is echoey Mm -hmm. (laughs) um what happened is you left your dipstick somewhere you shouldn't have yeah yeah and now the resident (laughs) ship skinwalker is about to punish me for leaving my dipstick somewhere but uh so I, um, you know, we investigate because we can hear sort of the origin where it came mm-hmm. from. It's this corner of the engine room. And we're thinking it's some kind of alarm going off. But he's he's an engineer. I'm not. So I, I ask him, like, have you ever heard anything like that before? He goes, no, no, I don't know. I have no idea what that was. So we go and we get to that corner and then we hear it again. But it appears to originate from a different part of the room yeah. now. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And we're both starting to get goosebumps. We're about to leave the engine room to go <laughs> and, you know, just take a breather somewhere that's a little bit more open. And then we realize what it was after the fourth or fifth time we hear it. It's uh, it's another ship in the shipyard testing its sonar. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're and, just, it was and, just causing your hold to vibrate or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, well, so, um, 
you know, if you've ever watched a submarine movie like The Hunt for Red October, yeah. um, when, you know, when the ship sending it out, you'll hear the, you know, the classic submarine like yeah. sound, right? Well, when that sonar actually hits something, it makes like a screech sound similar to similar to like the sound a dolphin makes. Well, because, you know, they're using right. sonar as well. Um, very similar to the sound a dolphin makes, but like ramp the, the volume and the intensity up by like 10 factor. Um, that makes sense because sound waves kind of propagate and amplify differently from the receiver side than they do from the source uh, that it's going away from. And so you, it'll, right. it'll hit and, you in different ways. Well, and it, and it makes sense that it's sort of reverberating mm-hmm. off every surface in the, in the room as yeah. well. And also the engine room is, let's just say partially underwater. Right. Yeah. That makes <laughs> um, sense. Below, below the, the water line. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense, but definitely if I had heard that same sound out in the middle of the woods, I, uh, yeah, I would have, I would have been climbing a tree. I'm, I'm curious. Do they, <laughs> I can't imagine they broadcast that they're doing a test to everybody so in the shipyard. They actually, they actually, oh, did. Okay. um, earlier that oh. day it was brought up in, uh, in just like the, you know, like the morning Brief, yeah. announcements in a way, that makes sense. uh, basically, but, but of course it, at this point it was probably 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. So we're like, um, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> but that's uh, good. Cause there might be people having those experiences that didn't realize that. Hopefully they're listening and now you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, the very niche people inside shipyards. That, are, that are just happen to be listening um, to this podcast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I would say my, probably my most harrowing experience on the cutter was uh, uh, what I would call a, a case of missing time. Yes, okay. Um, which is very commonly associated with alien abduction. It is. But, and um, other stuff, but yes. Now, actually, I wouldn't even call this missing time. It's almost like everyone else was missing time. Oh. Um, so I was a helmsman and a lookout, and the way that we would run that is we would do uh, like one-hour rotations where you end up spending two hours doing each, each job right. on a watch, on a four-hour watch. Um, And I was on the night mid watch Mm -hmm. uh, between, you know, midnight and 4 a.m. And it was a it was a particularly still night that night. I remember there wasn't a lot of wind. The sea state was really calm, so we weren't even rolling very much. And we were probably off the coast of Cuba somewhere Mm -hmm. outside of their territorial waters because, you know, they're not exactly friends of ours. But uh, um we uh i was on the bridge at the helm um and the officer officer of the deck gave me a uh, a course to steer mm-hmm. so yeah i do the little bitty rudder movements that i can to get to that course cuz they they didn't give like a a helm command they just gave a course to steer so in that case if you can you can operate less than i want to say it's 10 degrees uh rudder angle to get to that yeah anything else they have to give you a command um but uh so i'm making that course 
and I reach it, and I I double check the the mag magnetic compass because you have to check just to keep a count of the magnetic variation from the the true compass. Um, and what you have to do after that is you have to announce now steering course blah blah blah. You know, course blah 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 true checks course blah 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 magnetic just announcing that you're steering the course you gave you got the command for mm-hmm. and keeping track of that that compass variance between the gyro compass and the, the magnetic compass and um and they're supposed to respond they're supposed to you know say i okay whatever shut up you know yes. <laughs> whatever they decide to say um but they didn't say anything and understand that these bridges, uh, the the pilot house of uh, these cutters, they're painted all black on the inside. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the night, pretty much the only light you have is the person keeping track of the charts using just a usually just a red light, like a headlamp. That's just about all the light that you have, and all the uh, instruments and things, all the the backlighting from them. Um. So you could very well um, be standing there at the helm mm-hmm. and not see the deck watch officer if they're not standing right in the windows right. where the moonlight's coming in. But they're standing right there, right in front of me. Okay. Like I had to kind of, I actually had to shine a light on the compass to see because they were blocking some of the ambient light that would normally shine on the compass. Right. Um I announce, you know, I make the announcement, now steering course, whatever. Silence. No acknowledgement. Okay. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes the OD is not paying attention or they're, or they just don't hear you. So I announce it again a little bit louder. No acknowledgement. I turn to the quartermaster of the watch, the guy keeping track of the charts mm-hmm. he's off to my left on the chart table behind me and i i kind of turned to him uh see if he heard me no acknowledgement he's in the room with you he's still yeah oh yeah he's still moving you know he's not he's not like frozen, frozen yeah. in time or anything so you know it's clear to me that stuff is going on around me still and so i announce it again Nothing. What the fuck? And so I I turn to the quartermaster of the watch. I say, hey, did you hear me? Nothing. Not even like a cursory glance in my direction. What the hell? Uh, and so I probably announced myself four or five times trying to get this response that I'm supposed to get. You know, that's that's basically the rule. If you don't get the response, then just keep keep doing it. <laughs> it was a training training uh, uh, moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe 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 everyone was just screwing with me, but uh, I can see the lookout out the window, and he hasn't moved at all. Um, clearly, still present in the moment, mm-hmm. but hasn't hasn't made a single round at all. It's almost like everyone was stuck doing whatever, just what they happened to be doing in that moment. That's so weird. And 
finally, after doing it five or six times, it seems like noise sort of came back. <laughs> it was already very quiet, but it seems like suddenly there was a lot more noise. Motion, there was as like... If uh, yeah, like the sound of wind, the sound of whirring from the few electronic things that made noises. Um, and the deck watch officer goes, uh, are you steady on that course yet? What the fuck? <laughs> like as if I was in my own little bubble. bubble yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to use that word. Yeah. Two to three minutes. Weird. And this whole time, you know, there's a clock right in front of me. I can see that time is passing. Yeah. But in that time, nobody acknowledged me. Nobody seemed to realize I was there. That is so strange. And you said it was off the coast of Cuba? Yeah. So are we talking like somewhere off Bermuda it's Triangle somewhere territory? Somewhere between <laughs> Cuba, the Windward Pass, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, somewhere in that area. Um, and that wasn't even the first weird thing that happened while we were off the, off the coast of Cuba. Right. Um, another lookout observed uh, a uh, some sort of blue object fly across the the sky, like below the level of horizon. So oh. you know, within within nine nautical right. miles of the ship, um, and just a blue object just seemed to streak across the sky from the direction of Cuba. <laughs> Um, no noise, uh, a couple people on the bridge that night saw yeah. it and, uh, had no explanation. Nobody had any explanation for it. You know, if it was green and streaking and seemed to break up, I could, you know, we could go, oh, that was a meme, right. obviously. But blue, we, blue is weird. Yeah. Blue, no apparent sound, no apparent breaking up or real presence aside from the light itself in close proximity in to the, the to the ship too yeah right but yes but exactly spotted below the horizon so you know not not some far off object either mm -hmm. that's crazy um i any i believe pretty much anything that comes out of a ship story at this point because there's just so many, there's too, there's too so much data much. now to say like, oh yeah, there's definitely shit out there going on. <laughs> well, there's just so much weird, weirdness involved with being on the ocean. I would say most of the paranormal experiences I have had firsthand have been just in that nine month stretch that I was on board the, the car. Yeah. That's, um, I'm not surprised, but that's, yeah, that, that time bubble thing is just unnerving. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, I can, I could deal with the shadow people. I could deal with the ghostly bosun's mate of the lodge. <laughs> um, that was, that really screwed me up for a few days. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I can imagine. I've I've only had one experience that I can think of that was similar to that, and it was pretty recently actually. Um, and this will have to be kind of where. Last thing I got to, I'm going to get going towards, towards school here in a half hour or so. Um, okay. but, uh, recently I, I can't remember if I talked about it on a, on a, on the last episode or not, but, um, um, 
did I, did I tell you about when I was driving recently and I felt like I completely lost time and bearing that I like on my way home? Uh, no. So no, you did not. Okay. So this. driving home from, I believe it was from drill. Can't remember if it was from drill or from school. One, one, I take the highway, one, I take the freeway either way. Um, the last stretch of, of how I get home is, you know, last 10 miles or so is exactly the same either way. Um, I, I, I drive on autopilot a lot. I mean, listening to podcasts, right. listening to music, whatever. Um, you know, I have made this drive thousands of times at this point. Um, I always take the same roads. I always, I always, I just, I've never missed where I'm going, going home. And probably a couple weeks ago, um, was, I'm, I'm trying to remember like what was going through my mind, what I was thinking about. I can't even think about what I was doing. Uh, like, I don't know if I was listening to something. I don't think I was. I think I, I think I, for some reason felt like, like I didn't need to listen to something. So I just shut off the music. I shut off the radio. I was just like thinking and, and it's a tiny thing. It's a very tiny thing that happened, but it like, it literally, it like you said, it unnerved me for several days. Cause I, I could not think like why that happened. Um, but I was driving home and, um, and I get onto the street before I turn onto my street. So, so the, it, it's a, it's a really long road that goes towards the beach. And then my road is, you know, like three, three minutes down that road. So they're all in alphabetical order. So ours, you know, we turn, I turn on this road and then there's the A letters and then it goes all the way down to N is my road. Um, and, and I turn on K, I think it was Kenmore, I want to say. I, like I got lost. First of all, I got lost on my way home <laughs> when in I'm in, in my own neighborhood where there's like two turns and I'm at my house. I, I lit. It's like I woke up and I didn't know where I was. Um, I didn't recognize what was around me. I was like, I, I don't, I'm not even sure if I'm in my neighborhood. Um, cause I didn't recognize any of the houses. I was kind of going towards a dead end. Um, and I, I was just so, so turned around um, for some reason. I, I, I drove for like two minutes around this, th- these roads trying to figure out how to get back to, to that main road that, that my road is off of. And I realized I turned like, like five streets too early for, for no reason. Like I have no, I have no explanation for why I chose to turn. <laughs> Uh, and it, it was, it felt like lost time, but it was, it wasn't like a sense of lost time. It was like, it was just, it felt like I woke up and I didn't know where I was. Like that was the sense I had, even though I remember driving, I actually remember making the turn once I reflected on it. I just had no clue why there was no conscious behavior or, or conscious reason why I did that. But for like a good two minutes, I didn't, I, I just, I, I had this sense of, I had no clue where I was. And I was, I, I was freaked out, completely freaked out. I was driving around that neighborhood trying to find my street. <laughs> and it was just the weirdest thing that just, even, even now it kind of like gives me a little bit of anxiety because I have no clue how or why that took place. 
literally a drive I've made thousands of times without any deviation. And then just out of the blue, I get lost in my own neighborhood. And so my worry was like, uh, dementia, (laughs) like, (laughs) like (laughs) early onset dementia. I don't know. I haven't had an experience like that since. Um, but it, it threw me off so, so hard. Uh, and, and I just, I, I just don't have a a good explanation for why. Um, and it could be completely psychological, but I just, I just don't have an answer. I haven't come to a conclusion as to how that took place. (laughs) So I just figured that'd be a fun, fun one to end on (laughs) because I'm still looking for that. (laughs) And, And it's just this weird thing where I'm like, is it something about that road? I don't know. Like, so, so now every time I drive, I always look down that road and I don't know why I'm just like, what about that road made me need to turn on it? I just, and there's nothing, there's nothing special about it. I've driven back down that road to drive around that neighborhood. I'm like, is there, is there just subconsciously some reason why I felt like I needed to do that? Like, and I can't, I can't come up with an answer. I just, so I'm just always like hyper aware of that road every time I drive by it. Cause it just freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like, it's not like a weird abandoned part of the neighborhood. It's, it's, there's just other houses. I mean, it's just, it's, Right. Just a yeah. perfectly normal. Yeah. And I'm just like, I just don't in your neighborhood. It's just this weird question in my brain. I'm just like, I don't know why that happened. And I'm just hyper aware of it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, it's a, uh, uh, here's the too long. Didn't read of that entire podcast. Uh, shit's weird. <laughs> yeah. Shit's weird. <laughs> well, and here we are. Well, I guess since you have to go, and uh, it's almost six in the morning my yeah, time, man. I should be going to bed. Uh, well, it was, thanks for uh, sharing your experience. Yeah, you too. It was, uh, <laughs> it was fun getting all that out. I, we need, we definitely needed to get through the uh, that wall of <laughs> not doing something. So, yes, for uh, sure. And uh, hopefully, we can have a slightly more uh, consistent schedule in the future. Yeah, we'll try. I mean, uh, you know. Life. Yeah, we'll try. It'll be, we'll uh, hopefully, it's, yeah. at least it's a productive summer. I, I you know, I got all, all sorts of time. Um, and now I've, I've, we didn't, we didn't really talk about it, but uh, at some point, I, I do want to talk about um, my daughter's experience that I was telling you about. We can work that into a, into a yes. relevant episode. And uh, definitely want to talk about our mutual experience. Yes. In another uh-huh. episode. Yeah, when I, 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 it'd but, be good uh, to do maybe a full episode on like dreams and sleep related stuff and things like that would be, be super cool. all right well if you're still listening thanks for coming this has been the tinfoil terrarium where all of your conspiratorial and paranormal uh, thoughts come to grow in perfect humidity it's, oh, oh dank <laughs> <laughs> dank paranormal experiences there you go All right. right. Well, goodbye, everyone.